Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Chiropractic focuses on the relationship between the body's main structures, skeleton, muscles, and nerves, and the patient's health. Chiropractors can play an important role in the management of health conditions in the older adult, not only by managing musculoskeletal disorders, but also utilizing treatment modalities to address the patient as a whole. Today, my guest is Dr. Amir Rashidian, chiropractor with Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Centers. He will explain how chiropractic medicine differs from traditional medical practice and also discuss health conditions chiropractors treat and adjustment techniques they use for their patients. He will also talk about what older adults need to know when seeking and receiving treatment from a chiropractor. So welcome, Dr. Rashidian, and thank you for joining me today. Well, hello, Cheryl and everybody listening, and uh, I am grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, Obviously, Dr. Rashidian, I gave a little bit of an overview, but we need more information from you. So explain again exactly what is chiropractic. Well, it's based on the premise that the human body is self-healing and self-regulating to a limit. So if, if, I, if, if, if my arm gets uh, torn off in a car accident, obviously chiropractic isn't going to regrow an arm for me or reattach it. But within limits, the human body can self-heal and self-regulate. All functions of the body, including healing, regeneration, repair, uh, are under the monitoring and control of the brain and the nervous system. We have a nerve that goes from the brain to every cell, every tissue, and every organ in our body. As long as those nerves are free from interference, your body should function perfectly the way it was designed. But if there is interference in that system of nerves, whether it be a misalignment in the spine or a chemical interference, or it could be a mental, psycho-emotional interference in the system of nerves, then that nerve can't function properly, neither will the organ that that nerve goes to. My job as the chiropractor is to detect and remove that interference. Give us a little bit more of an understanding then as to how chiropractic practice differs from traditional medical practice. The, the number one biggest difference is the philosophical premise. Our philosophical pre- premise, like I said, is that we, we, we begin with the belief that the human body can self-heal and self-regulate. Um, so that, that premise, you can't disprove it, but you can't prove it all the way either. Just like you could have a philosophical premise that says the body is geared and designed to fall apart and decay and get sick. Well, I can't prove that's wrong because, you know, everybody does have an illness at some point in their life and we, we do tend to age. So uh, the philosophical difference. So another philosophical difference between medicine and chiropractic is that uh, we believe the body was created with enough uh, equipment within it to be able to do what it needs to do. And then medical practice says, well, sometimes you're going to need outside intervention, whether it's a chemical like a pharmaceutical that you put into the body or a surgical procedure, or you may have to remove an organ or part of an organ, or you may have to add hardware to the, to the body, whether it be rods in the spine or, uh, or a joint outside of the spine. So th- that's the main difference is uh, our focus is to get the body to work with what it has versus putting something into it or taking something out of it. 
Okay, and we're going to be talking a lot more about the different types of treatment modalities that you use and that, but I just want to educate a little bit, um, get a little bit more information about uh, the chiropractic educational requirements. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about how you get your education and also even do you serve an internship or how does that all work? Great question, Cheryl. Uh, First and foremost, you have to have a Bachelor of Science degree before you go to chiropractic school. So I obtained my Bachelor of Science degree from George Washington University, uh, a degree in chemistry. Uh, I have a second BS in human biology. Only one is required for chiropractic school. The first two years of chiropractic school is very similar to medical school. You take what's called the basic sciences, which is anatomy, physiology, neuroanatomy, neurophysiology, toxicology, pathology, pharmacology, public health. You take all these basic sciences. At the end of those two years um, uh, or four, four trimesters in some schools, that instead of semesters, they do trimester systems. After the first four terms, you have to sit for boards. These are national boards. You have to pass each subject separately. So when I was taking the boards, and this is uh, a long time ago, 20 some years ago, uh, you had to pass each test. Each test was an hour long and it took a day and a half to pass your boards. Once you dem- demonstrate knowledge in those subjects, you get to continue your chiropractic education, in which case you're still taking classes and tests, but it's more clinical. And now you start doing the internship where you do rounds and rotations in different clinics and institutions, outside offices and so on, getting hands-on experience. You also work in the student clinic where your patients are other students. And uh, once you finish that, there's another six terms. So it's a total of 10 terms for the schooling. And um, uh, if you um, once, once you pass all your classes and you graduate, you now have to take more national boards. So you take part two, Part three, part four national boards, there's a physical therapy national board as well that you have to take. So once you take all the board exams, you go to the state that you'll be practicing. Uh, In my case, it's the state of Maryland. And uh, you take the Maryland state board exam. And once you demonstrate competency and everything and all your tests, you get your number, which says you're a physician qualified to diagnose, prognose and treat patients. Okay, and just so I understand, so when you do your internship, that's in a hospital setting. Is that correct? Well, we call it a clinic because it's not a hospital where you have uh, medical doctors performing surgery and uh, prescribing medication. So it's it's like a chiropractic hospital. Although where I went to school in Chicago, we did do a rotation through Edgewater Hospital, and we did have to do rounds with medical students as well. Okay. The other part I think that would be helpful is, are there different types of chiropractors? Do they have different specialties? And if so, what are they? 100%. So we call them techniques. So there's different techniques for correcting misalignments in the spine. And uh, I can name a few. One would be Gonstead. One is uh, upper cervical specific or atlas orthogonal and uh, Thompson drop technique. So there's there's a couple dozen techniques that you could have. It depends on the patient preference. Some patients like the low force techniques, like activator technique. And some people prefer to hear the audible sound of the adjustment, which they call a crack um, or a popping sound. So a lot of patients actually prefer that. So it's based on your preference. The 
the bottom line is every chiropractor's goal is to create an optimal environment in your body so that the nervous system is functioning properly. So different techniques can achieve that. Um, so it depends on what you like. You should always ask your chiropractor, what is your technique and what does that look like? You should also ask, how do you do your analysis? So different chiropractors do their analysis differently. I can tell you in our practice, we use uh, digital x-ray um, and we draw lines, make measurements. We, we analyze the alignment of every single vertebra. And if it's slightly misaligned, then our nerve scan tells us if that misalignment is interfering with the nerve. If it is interfering with the nerve and it is misaligned, we design a process of restoring alignment in that segment of the spine. And we even take post x-rays and do a post scan to make sure not only is the alignment corrected, but the nerve is functioning properly. So definitely when you're picking a chiropractor, ask what technique they use, ask details about that technique, but also ask, how do you do your analysis of the spine? So it sounds like depending on what somebody's particular complaint is, will determine what type of chiropractor they would want to see. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It could be. It could be. Um, I would um, I would think that it's also just a preference because um, two people could have uh, significant radiating pain into an arm or a leg and all the techniques would benefit them. So they can just choose. They'll get benefits from any technique. All techniques are valid. All the techniques work. They've been scientifically proven to be uh, effective. The other thing is, is that I, I'm looking at and noticing when I looked at your website that Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Center is is more of a clinic setting. Are there other settings that uh, where chiropractors also practice? Yes. So the, the Veterans Administration has chiropractors in their hospitals. Um, there are some hospitals that have chiropractors. In New Zealand, um, the uh, labor and delivery department has a chiropractor that checks every newborn before they're discharged from the hospital. So yes, there are multiple different settings. I believe George Bush Sr. passed an executive order that said there had to be a chiropractor. And actually, I think it was the second George Bush. There had to be a chiropractor in ev on every military base in, an, in, in the U.S. and abroad. That hasn't happened yet, but that's the plan. Very interesting. So it's kind of like from one end of the lifespan to the other in terms of, uh, of where chiropractors practice. So let's talk more about the health conditions that, uh, that chiropractic usually treats. Give us an overview of, of what you see. You know, most commonly, I would say 50 to 75% of our patients are musculoskeletal aches and pains, whether it's a herniated disc or a uh, inflamed joint or an injury from a car accident, that's typical. But every once in a while, which is the other 25% of our patients, and we see a tremendous volume. Uh, we have probably over 10,000 patients. So we've got a good good demographic to look at. But 25% come to us because they may be having bowel issues or bladder issues or um, asthma or migraine headaches, um, uh, heart issues, believe it or not, some people come to us because they don't want to take their blood pressure medication anymore. And they're wondering if there's another way to lower their blood pressure. So we do help just by making the body more efficient. We seem to be able to help some people reduce their uh, pharmaceutical needs as well. Listening to what you're saying, you're describing a lot of health conditions that probably older adults are dealing with. What I'm thinking and I want to hear more about then is that chiropractic care would be very appropriate for older adults. Would you agree? And uh, tell us more about that. 
Absolutely. I, I would, when, when screening for a chiropractor, I would ask, are you trained and confident in treating uh, the elderly population. So that's part of your screening when you're asking about, uh, you know, procedures, techniques, and so on. But also, um, we know that just like children have a different set of things we need to look for with the elderly, we need to be conscious of possible osteoporosis, advanced arthritis, um, cartilage damage, uh, but also literally the consistency of the muscle fibers are different as we age. Uh, so we have to be aware of that as well. Uh, skin integrity is different. So when we're uh, doing uh, chiropractic adjustments on, on someone who's older, we need to be aware that sometimes the skin is thinner and it can get bruised easier. So let's use lower force. Let's use better techniques, different techniques. Focus more on um, low force, low contact techniques. Uh, I want uh, our, popula- our, our audience to be aware that a lot of them get told, oh, you know, you're getting old and that's why you're having right hip replacement surgery. Well, uh, we, we have to understand that age is a factor, but you also need to say that the other hip is the same age. Both hips are the same. <laughs> Both hips are the same age, but one of them is wearing out faster than the other. And if just like the tires of your car, if they wear out unevenly, it's not it, it's not the tires' fault. It's typically because there was an alignment issue that put more stress on one tire compared to the other. And so, even if you do get that hip replacement, the alignment issue is still there. You're still going to put more pressure on that hip than the other hip. And so what we have to do is make sure we correct that, looking on, looking at pelvic on leveling, looking at uh, just general curvature of the spine. There has to be these smooth curves that help the body absorb shock and stress. Restoring those is beneficial, whether before or after replacement surgery. Um, but arthritis is very real. Some studies say that arthritis begins at the age of two and continues to progress. But I also know, and this is great for the elderly to understand, is that we used to think overuse leads to more arthritis than sedentary. Now we're realizing sedentary is worse. So someone who sits all day and doesn't move is actually more likely to need knee replacement and hip replacement than someone who is active every day. With all of these factors that you're thinking about, um, and you have an, an older adult who comes in as a patient, then how do you, as, a, as the practitioner, determine the best treatment plan for an older adult patient? Because there's other factors. It could be social factors, whether they have a caregiver, or how do you determine what is going to be the best plan for, this, for any one particular patient? Well, Cheryl, you must have been an amazing nurse. And, and I, I think you're, uh, you're 90% doctor yourself because that's exactly right. It's, it's, about, it's about the history. You know, we go deep. We go deep. I mean, if you've been around, if, if you're 95 years old, I need to know what happened in those 95 years, not just what happened yesterday. I need to know, you know, have you been diagnosed? With, I, I actually request medical records. I look at MRIs, past MRIs, uh, going back even 10, 10 15 years. Uh, I want to know any imaging you've had, any blood tests you've had. I want to know all the medication you're on. Sometimes we forget what drugs we're on. Um, I'll, I'll ask for lists. I'll, I'll call the doctor and say, can you send me their medication list? Uh, I need to know all of those things because especially sometimes we recommend supplementation as well. If we find someone has a deficiency of a certain vitamin or mineral, I want to make sure that they're not on something already that would interfere with that. So the best thing to do, 
uh, is take a good history. The second thing, which, which is just as good, and one's not better than the other, is you need to understand as the chiropractor, as a doctor, the person you're talking to knows that body that they live in better than anybody else. You know your you've been living in your body all these years. You know your body better. And there are times you'll tell me, you'll say, I think this is what's wrong. Most often the patient is right and the doctor needs to listen. So I think just following those two rules, we're able to take good care of our patients. And I'm also wondering, because obviously if a person is older, they may have a caregiver. How do they participate in helping you develop the treatment plan? I, I always request that someone comes with them to uh, the day when we present them the results of their tests, where we show them their x-rays and scans and tell them what we found and how we're about we're going to treat. Um, the way our process works is, number one, our goal is to get you to feel better. The second stage is how to get stronger, because how strong you are determines how well uh, you live or how healthy you are. Uh, typically, the level of health depends on how much stress you can safely handle. So our focus becomes strength building, especially in the elderly. Then we focus on longevity. Then we focus on how to always feel younger than your age. That's a four-stage process that has to go in order. Each one comes with a different set of exercises and home care recommendations. We write everything down. We, we send it to them and the caregiver to make sure they both know. We also have videos that demonstrate their exercises they should be doing at home. They can watch that every time they're doing them so they can do it correctly every time. And we also do coaching sessions in the office where we'll schedule a time and they'll come in and they'll sit with one of my team members and they'll demonstrate their exercises so we can check and make sure they're doing them correctly. Well, then now you're thinking about what treatment plan that you're going to do with any, any one uh, older adult. So start helping us understand what are the most common chiropractic adjustment techniques that are used for older adults and, and what are the conditions when you use these particular um, uh, adjustment techniques? Okay. So if someone uh, has osteoporosis, we certainly will use lower um, lower force techniques. So one technique would be called activator. Another technique is NUCA, N-U-C-C-A. Um, Atlas orthogonal would be another one. These are gentle techniques, low force. Uh, but like I said, there's a dozen others that I haven't named or wouldn't be able to name right now. Uh, so that's one. Uh, another one is if they're on a blood thinner, quite a few uh, elderly have have already had a stroke or are at risk of stroke, we want to make sure that we're not putting them at further risk. So those also we want to use. We know that if someone's on a blood thinner, they're going to bruise a lot easier. So we want to be extra careful with that. The points, the pressure areas, we don't want to do, use too much force. Um, gentle stretches and so on. Um, if a joint is significantly inflamed, uh, Maybe some icing might be recommended before the adjustment just to reduce some inflammation. Before and after the adjustment, we may do that. Um, laser has been greatly beneficial in promoting healing in injured tissues, and it's painless. So laser therapy is another one. Um, other than that, I, I think one other one we need to be aware of is sometimes uh, there's uh, another condition that may be autoimmune, like rheumatoid arthritis. Well, in those cases, if they're in a rheumatoid flare-up, an adjustment of a joint can make that worse, even though the adjustment is accurate and correct. So we have to be aware of that. Also, there are certain conditions where there's ligament laxity in the upper neck. 
which can compromise the brainstem at the very top. And we want to make sure, uh, case in point, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, the ligaments at the top can be more lax than the average person, which means higher force, um, longer amplitude adjustments can be dangerous. So the conditions, usually you mentioned autoimmune diseases. As, is that the kind of treatment also that would be used for arthritis and osteoporosis and some of the other ones that you mentioned earlier, the conditions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we know for a fact that when you unlock and mobilize a joint, osteoarthritis will cease or at least slow down to nearly a stop. And our goal is if there's already arthritis in that joint, let's stop it and then promote how it feels so that it doesn't continue to get worse. And when you are, again, figuring out this treatment plan, is there usually a number of, of treatments that you're going to do with your patient? Do they have to come back for a certain number of treatments? How does that, how does that work in terms of the number of times that you would be seeing them? Yes, we've all heard the saying, if you go to a chiropractor, you have to go for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, um, uh, jokingly, but half serious, that, that actually is true. Uh, you, you do need to go for the rest of your life. Um, but uh, it's, it's not all corrective care. It's not all designed to correct things. A lot of it is preventative care as well. It's just like we go to our dentist on a regular basis to get periodic x-rays to check for cavities and get a professional cleaning. We should have our spines monitored and checked by a chiropractor on a regular basis. Having said that, to answer your specific question, is that the longer a condition's been there, the more degeneration in that joint, the longer it takes to correct it. So typically, the human body, everything in the body is changing on a regular basis. You have brand new skin cells every 30 days. You have brand new taste buds every eight days. You have brand new lung tissue every seven years where your bones regenerate every 90 to 120 days. So there's this 90-day cycle when we start out. Sometime over the first three months, you need to be seeing a certain number of visits, whether it's a dozen visits or three dozen visits. It's somewhere between one and three dozen visits over the first three months of care to make the correction, remove the pain and inflammation, and then possibly a post-X-ray at that time. Then you reduce frequency. So if they were coming three times a week, quickly we go to two, one, every other week and start constantly spreading those visits out to the point where they're on a wellness slash maintenance basis. And if you are seeing older adults, they may or may not have Medicare, depending on what their age is. Are all of these treatments then covered by Medicare or other insurance policies? Uh, that, that's a fantastic question. The short answer is yes, every insurance policy covers chiropractic now. That is um, that is today. Uh, the VA has uh, covers chiropractic, Medicare, um, every insurance company. They have chiropractic benefits, but every insurance company has different chiropractic benefits. So, for example, a typical Medicare policy will cover 24 visits per year. So you're allowed 24 chiropractic visits per year. However, if the diagnosis comes back and you have something more serious, Medicare is smart enough to approve more visits. They know someone with a severely degenerated disc and radiculopathy, which is what nerve interference is that causes pain to shoot down an arm or a leg, they know that's going to require more than 24 visits. I've seen them cover 50, 60 visits in a year, depending on what a patient needs. But they announce and they tell you they'll only cover up to 24. There's been cases where someone didn't have a very serious condition and they said, we're only going to cover six or eight visits for, for this condition. So it depends on the condition, depends on your 
particular benefits. I know a lot of patients who are even qualify for Medicare choose to keep insurance policies of other sorts. I would always call the insurance company and say, what are my benefits for chiropractic? Always ask, what are my out-of-network benefits? Because sometimes you may want to go to a chiropractor that's not in your network. And I think that's beneficial because the doctor that's out of your network isn't shackled by the guidelines of that insurance company. What that means is sometimes I know a patient needs an MRI, but the insurance company says, no, you can only order x-ray and then you have to do two months of physical therapy. And if the patient is still suffering, then you can order the MRI. And I know, and most doctors know, there are cases where that is a waste of time and money. If you go to an out-of-network doctor, they don't have to follow those guidelines. If they believe you need an MRI, they will order the MRI, get the results, and look at it. For example, if I know someone has a herniated disc in their back, and I'm certain of it, you know, they say if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, it probably is one. Well, this is a herniated disc. I just want to know exactly what level it is. I want to know what direction it's angled so that I can decompress that disc properly. I need the MRI. Going through the whole process of other things is not worth it, not for the patient, not for me. So I'll order the MRI right away. So that may be a reason to go to an out-of-network doctor so that they're not bound by – a lot of these uh, restrictions are financial because they want to reduce cost. But I think they sometimes forget to take the patient's care into account, patient's time, patient's money, all of that stuff. So anyways, um, call your insurance company, ask for your benefits in network, out of network, find out how many visits are covered and find out where your deductible is. So you know all that information before you go to the chiropractor. Well, that's a lot of helpful information. And we're going to be talking more about chiropractic in the second half. But we're going to take a short break right now in case you tuned in late. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Amir Rashidian, chiropractor with Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Centers. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Amir Rashidian, who is a chiropractor with Mid-Atlantic Chiropractic Centers. And we really got a lot of information about chiropractic in the first half, but there was a couple more questions that I wanted to ask you, Dr. Rashidian, and that is whether or not, and as part of your treatment plan, does that include prescribing medications? So as of today, chiropractors do not have prescription rights. So there's um, there's no prescriptions. Um, we are allowed to suggest but not recommend over-the-counter medications. Uh, but our focus always is to see if we can treat you without any drug. And, and if we feel like that prescription drugs may be necessary, we always refer back to the primary care doctor. They're the ones that are more trained in it. I also, on the side, I would recommend to everybody to also have a pharmacist. 
because pharmacists spent their entire career studying medication, more so than the medical doctor or the surgeon or anybody else. And so I always, if if one of my family members is always prescribed a medication, I always run it by a pharmacist and say, what do you think of this? What are the side effects? Here's the other stuff she's on. Is it okay? And, and there's been times where, you know, they, they would recommend the change and the doctor was very agreeable to that. So that's part of it. But um, we do still need to, just like I said, in, in chiropractic school, we study pharmacology because we need to know what those drugs do to the body. So if someone is on a beta blocker, for example, we know that that's a one method of lowering blood pressure, but they could also be on a diuretic or an ACE inhibitor. And, uh, and different ones do different things. So we need to know how that's affecting. So for example, if you are on a beta blocker, uh, that means your body doesn't have the fight or flight response as extreme as the other person. So I know that if a misalignment in your spine would be causing that fight or flight response, we're not going to see it as much on a test that we do. So we need to be aware of that. So I check everybody for their list of medication in detail. I want to know how many doses, how much, how many days, and so on. Um, we know that there, there's other medications that affect behavior and activity. Like uh, a lot of people are on ADHD medication and that does affect function and uh, mood and so on. Um, believe it or not, allergy medication, over-the-counter antihistamines have an effect on the body that most people don't understand. So uh, antihistamines block the H1 receptor, which stops the congestion that you feel from allergies. But more histamine hits H2 and H3 receptors, which will cause H2 will cause indigestion, heartburn, acid reflux, and H3 will cause mood swings and depression. So if they're coming to me for bowel issues or stomach issues, and I know they're on an antihistamine, well, then I know there's a possibility that it may not be something chiropractic can help. It may be a chemical issue. So what I'm hearing is, is that you are working closely, again, in connection with this treatment plan with other health providers. Is, is that true? Definitely. We've had quite a few patients. Now, these were mostly children who's, who, who are in the system, like foster care system, whose social worker would talk to me about, hey, what are you doing about this and that? Or uh, quite often, they're, they're pretty much amazed at the behavioral changes in the child after their chiropractic care. But we also have um, uh, neurosurgeons in our town that refer patients to us. Because, uh, you know, until chiropractic, they would tell the patient, it's not bad enough to operate. Let's wait till it gets worse and then operate. Now, when the patient might say, I don't want it to get worse. Is there anything else I can do? In that case, well, let's do some chiropractic care to prolong the life of that hip or the spine uh, until the day comes where you may need that surgery. So we get referrals from regular doctors in our office, and I believe this is the case with all chiropractors. The minute you come see us, we write up a report and we send it to your primary care doctor and any specialist that you want so that they know what's going on. They know what we're planning to do. Sometimes I'll get on the phone with their surgeon or with their primary care doctor and ask a couple of questions and vice versa, especially with the elderly. So if one, uh, you know, somebody who's listening goes to their primary care doc or a geriatric physician, then it is likely that they will refer them to uh, a chiropractor, do they usually give somebody that they know? Great question. Um, in, in the United States today, chiropractors are direct care providers, which means you do not need a referral. You can go straight to the chiropractor and be treated unless there's some kind of restriction on your insurance plan where they'll say, 
we won't reimburse you if you go to another chiropractor. But those people usually have their own chiropractor. So from the referral standpoint, it's not necessary. So a lot of times if a doctor wants to refer to a chiropractor, they typically will give you the names of two or three people that they're familiar with. And they'll say, go to one of these chiropractors. They're all good. How you pick a chiropractor is you need to, um, so I'll, I'll tell you, there's an emotional way to pick, and then there's a um, scientific way to pick. Uh, I think both are valid because it, it, if as the patient, you walk into that doctor's office and the assistant receptionist behind the counter isn't welcoming, isn't excited to be there, isn't happy to see you, they treat you like a number and uh, and you just don't feel welcome. You feel like a nuisance. You feel like you just added work to this person's job. You're in the wrong place. You need to, when you walk in, you should be invited, respected, and listen, this is the most important. You should be appreciated for choosing their practice because believe it or not, what's lacking in the world today is customer service in the medical setting. Part of the problem for that is most chiropractors most medical doctors, they get reimbursed by a third party. They don't need to treat the patient with respect to get paid. They don't need to show appreciation to get paid. They don't need to treat you with love and care to get paid. I think that's wrong uh, because if they dot their I's, cross their T's, the insurance company reimburses them. And I don't like that system. I think the patient has has should have a say in whether that doctor is doing a good job or not. So when you walk in, do you like the doctor? Do you get a good feeling in that office? Does it seem like they care? Are they going to go out of their way to make sure they give you the best care possible? Most importantly, if they think they can't help you, are they willing to tell you that up front so that they don't waste your time and your money? They'll say, listen, this is beyond our scope. You should probably see this other person. I never turn a patient away without telling them where to go. I'll always say, listen, unfortunately, I don't think we can help you with that problem. But listen, let's try this. Why don't you go see this doctor and then report back to me what they said and we'll discuss your options together. Because once they come to me, I feel like they're a family member and I want to I want to treat them that way. Uh, just like if my mother had a problem, I wouldn't say, well, just go go to anywhere you want. I want to guide that process. So that's one. But when you call a chiropractor, I would I would pick five that that's in your area that was that's within the, the five chiropractors that are within the driving distance where you live and then call them and and start with these questions like, where did you go to school? Um, if they if you can't talk to the chiropractor, you'll ask the receptionist these questions. They'll write it down and get back to you with the answers. You know, you want to know where the chiropractor went to school. You'll want to know what technique they use. You want to know if they rely on uh, specific analysis to determine where their adjustment is going to be. You'll want to know if they use low force or high force technique. Uh, you want to know if they are uh, trained and have experience in the condition that you want them to treat. So ask them those questions, get the answers from all five chiropractors in your area, and then look at that. Then go to their website and see if their website is appealing to you. Then look at the reviews, whether it's on Google or Yelp. Look up and see what other people are saying about them. Uh, and and once you see, actually read the reviews. Don't just look at how many they have and how many stars because people will give you detailed explanations of, hey, this doctor's pretty good, but their bedside manner isn't great, you know, uh, or whatever. So, so, so you and that person might have got five stars, but you might want someone with better bedside manner. And I think you should you should ask for that and you deserve that. So anyways, those are my suggestions on picking a chiropractor. 
So there's the International Chiropractors Association, which their website, I believe, is chiropractic.org. Uh, and then the American Chiropractic Association, I apologize, I don't know the, the URL for, for them, but if you just type American Chiropractic Association, it'll come up to you. Um, and, and then, you know, uh, it's, it's an easy search to just type in chiropractors near me in, in a search box and it'll give you a list and then look at how far away from you they are and click on the button that says website and it'll take you to that doctor's website. Um, but, but in that search, you'll also see what reviews they have, how many stars and what people said about them. So I wanted to get back to the treatment a little bit. Needless to say, everything might have side effects, whether you take a drug or, um, and some of these treatments might be a little bit more, um, active. So warn us or prepare us if we were to come to to see you, what might be some possible side effects, especially in older adults, since that's what we're talking about? What would they experience and how long would they last and what should they do about them? Absolutely. Once again, you're asking fantastic questions. Uh, number one is that there's always if, if this is the first time you're seeing a chiropractor, Please be prepared. You will feel some soreness from the adjustment. Even the non-force and the low-force techniques where you feel like, I don't even think he did anything. Literally, there's techniques where you lie down and a doctor does a few things and you can't tell if anything was even done. But the next day, you're going to be sore. Typically, the soreness lasts about three days. Typically, the doctor will give you icing instructions following your adjustment. Make sure you you ice, especially after that first adjustment that reduces inflammation. Unless ice is counterindicated in your condition, um, sometimes conditions like Lyme disease, ice can make you more stiff. So you want to be careful with that. Uh, but the chiropractor will know whether ice is good for you or not. But icing is huge. Um, typically, after your first adjustment, you sleep really well. It'll be the best night of sleep you ever had. It's possible from that first adjustment, you might get a mild headache. You may end up with tingling in your arms and legs because we're taking pressure off of nerves. You never know how the body will respond when you take pressure off the nerves. So there may be some tingling in the arms and legs following the adjustment. That's not an issue. A mild headache, not a big deal. Muscle soreness, not a big deal. So what you want to know is what are the more serious side effects and uh, how do I make sure those don't happen to me? Well, I can tell you um, the number one thing that chiropractors are ever, when they're involved in legal suits, lawsuits, malpractice issues, it's always mo because of sexual misconduct. And the reason I say that is because they are, we are a hands-on profession. And so that touch gets misinterpreted by the patient. That's why the doctor should have good bedside manner because we explain everything before we do it. In fact, I tell the patient, I'll say, I'm going to show you what it's going to look like. I'm going to tell you what it's going to look like. I'm going to demonstrate it for you gently. And unless you say, go ahead, I'm not going to do it. So you're in charge and you're in control. And usually um, that works pretty well. Uh, but that's what it is. It's the touch. It's mis misinterpretation of the touch uh, on the body. Um, other than that, our malpractice insurance is very, very low cost. Uh, my half-brother is an OBGYN. He pays over $100,000 annually to be covered for an aggregate of $3 million. So he can, he can be covered up to uh, legal costs of $3 million. Well, in our state, chiropractors have to be covered for $3 million. Virginia is the same. And uh, my cost is less than $1,000 a year. So it's $100,000 for the OBGYN, and it's less than $1,000 for the chiropractor. And my malpractice, because I cover 
three chiropractors, two locations, it goes up to $1,400 per year. So, and, and that's considered expensive in chiropractic, which means it's very low risk and uh, hardly anyone gets injured by it. In fact, I don't think there's a documented uh, published case in a peer-reviewed journal that shows a serious injury from chiropractic to a patient. Now, there are a lot of anecdotes. There's a lot of stories you'll see on Facebook, on social media, in the news even, that say, oh, chiropractor caused a stroke. None of those chiropractors have actually been convicted of negligence or doing something wrong in their practice. A lot of times what happens is, and this is what the aging population needs to understand, a lot of times if you're having a dissection of your carotid artery or the vertebral artery in your neck, it's going to start with neck stiffness and neck pain. And you're going to think all you need is an adjustment, but you're actually having a stroke. And then you go to the chiropractor and the chiropractor fails to check for those things. And so they do the adjustment and you feel better. So you go home and then the stroke progresses. So a lot of these cases have been shown that the stroke started before the adjustment. The doctor should have caught it and they didn't. So if, if you get out of the blue neck stiffness, you weren't in trauma, you didn't sleep funny, you didn't fall asleep in a car or an airplane where your neck was held in the wrong way, or you lie down on a couch to watch TV and you wake up with a stiff neck, those are different. There's no explanation, but your neck is stiff. You know, and you're the elderly, you should consider maybe there's a stroke going on. Let's get that looked at. Let's get it checked. And if you do that, I think the risk become very, very minimal. Uh, someone did the calculations of causing a stroke through a chiropractic adjustment was equivalent, mathematically, was equivalent to being hit by lightning twice in the same day. So it's very rare. And I was just wondering, you know, to your point in terms of the touch and that uh, when you do the treatment, is there uh, one of your colleagues assistance in the room is there can there also be the caregiver or a family member in the room yes absolutely i i always have someone else with us in fact if your chiropractor says i can't have anyone else in the room i would be weary about that it's it this is this is not something where you uh, need privacy it's not surgery where the area needs to be sterile so a family member a caregiver or one of my staff members should be in the room with us all the time is there anything once a person gets home that they should and shouldn't do then after receiving chiropractor care? Do you tell them to lie down for 24 hours and get more rest or they can go out and run a marathon or what are the take-home instructions? Definitely don't run a marathon right after your first adjustment. <laughs> uh, yeah, you should, after the fir very first adjustment and for maybe the first three or four chiropractic adjustments, you should take it easy. Don't go and vacuum and clean the house. Don't go outside and do yard work or shovel snow if that's the season that you, you might be in. Um, definitely take it easy after your first couple adjustments. Remember, there will be soreness. Uh, also remember, there's other physiologic responses to the adjustment. One thing we forgot to mention um, uh, was toxic release. There is a possibility of toxic release from your first couple adjustments, and that'll give you flu-like symptoms where you'll be extra tired, um, uh, achy body, tenderness throughout the body, uh, maybe even congestion. So toxic release is a real thing. It's rare with chiropractic, but it can happen. Um, now, if you have it after every adjustment and you've had more than a dozen adjustments, something else is going on and you need to be looked at 
uh, by a different specialist, maybe a rheumatologist. Um, other than that, that first couple adjustments, definitely take it easy. Once you've had a few adjustments, now you can, if you're a marathon runner, you can get adjusted and go run a marathon and that's okay. Or go lift weights or clean the house or go back to work. Everything is fine. There's no restrictions. So I'm hearing you say that it's really important then uh, for an individual to give you what you need. And you've talked a little bit about this in terms of information that an older adult should provide to the chiropractor on a first visit so that you can determine that's not something that I treat. I mean, and is it usually a condition that they have or might there be other factors which would make a determination as to whether there you can treat them or you can't treat them how how do you make that determination if i find that there's a metabolic cause to the condition they're in so so on x-ray we may see a fracture in the spine well certainly i'm not going to treat that that's a fracture now it could be a stress fracture it could be a pathologic fracture where um uh it's a metabolic issue the bone is eating itself away or or there's a bone infection certainly we will not treat those so we have to know what we're looking for uh infections um um fractures uh definitely those are the big ones uh also you, you know um there are times where we'll treat someone for palliative care. What that means is we're not going to be able to fix this problem, but we can make you a little more comfortable. So, for example, Parkinson's disease. We know patients with Parkinson's, are their muscles are so tired. They're constantly moving. They're tense, relaxed, tense, relaxed, and, uh, and, and difficulty walking and balance and all that stuff. Well, I'm not going to be able to treat Parkinson's. I can't reverse that. I can't stop that. What I can do is with the adjustments, take some pressure off the nerves, relax some of those muscles, get the joints to work a little better. Maybe we can improve your balance by 10%, 20%, and that's fewer falls. Maybe we can make your muscles more relaxed. You can sleep better through the night. Maybe uh, a, a weekly visit to the chiropractor makes you live better and tolerate that Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis. Again, that's an autoimmune issue that chiropractic isn't going to solve. Now, there's nutritional techniques that can reduce or put MS, multiple sclerosis, into remission, but chiropractic adjustments don't, but we can make them more comfortable so they can feel better and sleep better. So those are conditions where I'll say, I'm not going to be able to treat this for you, but if you want me to make you more comfortable, certainly we can do that. And do you then suggest who, what other kind of, of uh, healthcare provider would be appropriate for that particular situation or condition? Always. Yeah. So, so right now, thankfully, we have access to so many doctors. You can literally, through a search on the internet, find the world's foremost expert in the condition that you have, and they can be in a different country, and you can do a meeting through the internet with them and get get care from them. So we live in a good good time of this world. And of course, I, I have to ask you because, you know, as I was preparing these questions, um, you see all kinds of things on the internet. So People say, is chiropractic medicine safe? What are the possible risks? Talk about that so people really understand when is the right time to go to a chiropractor, when is it not? So help us understand a little bit more about that. Yeah, you know, based on data, chiropractic is actually very safe. So the reason um, uh, you you see some of that in the on the internet is because chiropractic is the youngest field in healthcare. It's only been around since 1895. 
So it's younger than acupuncture. It's younger than Ayurvedic medicine. It's younger than naturopathy and homeopathy. All these things have been around way longer. But chiropractic is the second largest and the number one largest field in alternative care. So it's the second to allopathic medicine, which is prescription medications, second to that and larger than everything else. So it got that big, not because it's not safe. It got that big because it is safe and it is effective. So first thing you need to know is just based on just the malpractice premiums alone, if chiropractic was risky, the cost of malpractice would be much higher. It's not risky. The chiropractor makes all the difference, though. So you have to make sure you go to someone who has a good reputation. That's how you mitigate the risk. Other than that, like I said, the odds of having a serious injury from a chiropractor are slim to nine. Uh, In fact, another research study showed that more people have a stroke backing out of their driveway than they do seeing a chiropractor. Or more people have a stroke coming out of a dentist's office than they do coming out of a chiropractor's office. So um, everything has risk, obviously. Uh, but the biggest risk is the chiropractor could could pull a muscle by doing something wrong. They could injure a tendon or they could cause uh, bruising or, um, you know, musculoskeletal aches and pains. And if that might happen, what's the next step? If somebody is unhappy with the care of a chiropractor, what should they do? Should they come back and say, I'm not happy? Uh, what? I don't know if that's happened in your practice or not, but educate our listeners about that. What are their options if they're not happy with the treatment that they got? You know, what's interesting is usually I ask the patient before they tell me, and I think a good good doctor would do that. They, they usually know. Uh, sometimes I'll sit a patient down. I'll say, listen, you've been coming here quite a few times, and I don't see a reduction in your pain. I don't see increased in range of motion, and I don't think your balance has improved. You know, I just kind of see that you're at status quo like you started, and uh, what do you think's going on? And either they'll say, well, I haven't been following my home instructions, or they'll say, you know, the technique you're using makes me uncomfortable and I don't like it. And that's when we brainstorm and say, hey, how about we try a different technique, uh, a different method? Let's use some modalities. Uh, We have decompression techniques. We have cox flexion distraction techniques, different ways of reducing pressure off of nerves and discs. Certainly, we can add laser. Let's say, hey, let's do some laser for pain control. Get some opioids released, you know, uh, to, to, to raise your pain threshold so that you're more comfortable with your adjustments. We'll try two or three other things, and then I'll say, okay, it's time for you to try a different chiropractor. So let's try a t- chiropractor that does a technique that our practice does not do. You see, um, I, a quick example is uh, my mother once went to a medical doctor, and uh, when she came home, I asked her, I said, how was it? And she said, I don't like this doctor. I said, well, it doesn't matter if you like the doctor. Do you think he's going to be able to help you? She said, no, it does matter. I don't like the doctor. So I'm going to go to a different medical doctor. She went to a different medical doctor. That doctor gave her a medication that didn't help her. So then she said, this isn't helping me. I'm going to go to a third medical doctor. The third one was able to help her. And so just because the first and second one weren't helpful, she didn't give up on medicine. She just gave up on the medical provider. And so if the chiropractor isn't helping you, don't give up on chiropractic. Give up on the chiropractor. Give up on me. If I'm not doing a good job and I'm, we're not getting the results, I'll know it. I'll be the first one to tell you, this may not be working. Would you like to try a different chiropractor? 
different technique. Uh, see, you wouldn't take uh, your if if your airplane has a an electrical problem, you wouldn't call a plumber. And if your body has a nervous system issue, um, you need the chiropractor to look at it. So I, I would say let's find a different chiropractor. Okay. Well, one last question: um, resources. Can you provide some resources? You can give us our your website and uh, other resources that might be helpful for people to learn more about chiropractic care. Absolutely. So our website is midatlanticclinic.com. And uh, we have a YouTube channel where we keep our exercises. Uh, so that one is called Real Chiropractic. So YouTube sla- youtube.com slash real chiropractic. If you go to playlists and uh, look at exercise templates, uh, there's various exercises there with information on how to use them and so on. Um, uh, big resource, like I said, was chiropractic.org, which is the International Chiropractors Association. Uh, when it comes to pediatrics, I like icpaforkids.org, I believe, or maybe.com. But that's called International Chiropractic um, uh, Pediatrics Association. And um, anyways, and then other than that, there is so much information out there. You want to be very judicious about who you listen to and who you don't listen to. Uh, there's a lot of chiropractors on YouTube that that show videos of people being adjusted in rough, uh, dramatic ways. That's not real life. Uh, the, the, the real world is, is very different. And uh, there's a reason a lot of us chiropractors don't put our adjustments on YouTube because they're not that entertaining. They're low force, they're gentle, and you don't hear a big sound and a big dramatic response. So, um, but other than that, uh, if you're welcome to call my office and ask, I told you to ask these questions off your, um, of your, um, chiropractor. Uh, we have a document we can send you, uh, and so my office phone number is 301-698-0001. Just call the office and say, I want the five questions when I'm screening a chiropractor. And they'll email that to you uh, from our front desk. Okay. Well, I want to thank Dr. Amir Rashidian, chiropractor with the Mid-Atlantic Chiropractor Centers for joining me today. Thank you so much, Dr. Rashidian. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. And if you want to learn more about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And of course, at this site, you can access all of our Aging Matters radio podcasts and the TV show content. And those podcasts can be found on Apple and Spotify. So check that out on, on the website. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, which of course, you can learn more about that company at inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. 